this is everyone's personal development show. Keep breathy. Welcome. My guest today is Vitesla, the machine of Silicon Valley in the past, but now is the ramble of Silicon Valley. You will know why Vitas is the modern ramble of today only if you listen all the way until the end. So stick with me for the entire conversation. Vitesla is a serial entrepreneur. He started and sold one software company in France, shut down and other in Silicon Valley. He used to be the product manager at Google and Yahoo because he didn't know what to do after he sold his company. In this episode, we touch upon many cutting-edge technologies like aerospace, flying tests, and so forth and so on. Also, we talk about product management and entrepreneurship. Retest demystifies the relationship between these two disciplines, the differences and the common ground. Retest is the classic entrepreneur, type A and ambitious. Everything about entrepreneurship comes natural to him. If you are an aspiring entrepreneur or product manager, you cannot miss this episode. So he retest. Uh, thanks for coming to my show. My pleasure, Aaron. It's so great to be here. Yeah. So uh, we met each other uh, in LBT. So maybe we can uh, start off with this episode with. What is RBT alumni worldwide, and what is RBT in general? Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> yes, uh, uh. Uh, RBT is uh, stands for Ramit's Brain Trust, hmm. and I think uh, it was it was started by uh, a guy called uh, Ramit Sethi, hmm. uh, lives in New York right now, uh, and, and I think. Uh, he started this program inspired by his own mentor network and he wanted to create a community of people who were seeking answers who wanted to know more you know who were curious and like you know they said this is not enough i want to learn i want to explore i want to know more with other curious people and that's that was his community that 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 got formed uh ramit's brain trust and i think uh, that's where we met Got it. And uh, I would like to say to the audience, it is uh, in this community, all of the people, all of the members are really top performers. And uh, it, I think it accelerated my learning so much in the last decade, just including you, Rita, I, I reach out to you very often to answer, to answer, to ask a lot of questions and then just simple question and a simple answer to my question, accelerating my learning so much and uh yeah it is a great community uh yeah i just want to voice out of that so back to you uh uh i will talk a little bit uh ask actually it is uh, we just talked to each other offline i have a bunch of questions want to ask you and it is some of my personal questions i, I want to ask you so after this uh, we will move on to product management so born in india citizen of us and france why are you located in redwood city california now can you tell us a little bit how you got to where you are at today? Yeah, sure. So um, linearly, like my, my linear journey was that I was born in India and uh, I went to engineering school and business school there. Um, I met a French girl at an exchange program. We got married and then I moved to France. So that's mm. like how I became a French citizen. Mm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I got my French citizenship. I lived in France for several years. Uh, and, um, uh, and at some point, you know, I sold a software company in France. Mm. 
uh, and moved to US because United States was where I have always wanted to be. Like, you know, I love the energy of this country. Uh, you know, I love how ambitious this nation is in terms of like technology and scale and doing things that influence everybody globally, right? Wow. Um, so I've always loved the energy of America. And that's, that's why like, you know, I, I lived in France for a few years, but then my wife, my then wife uh, uh, and I, we moved here to the United States. Um, I came to the United States and then like, you know, because I'm in the tech industry. So that's how I'm in Silicon Valley. So, um, and Silicon Valley is where I have lived the longest ever in my life. I think I've been here since 2005. Mm-hmm. So 16 years, and I've worked at companies like Yahoo and Google. Got it. I am aware that you used to have a nickname is the is the machine of Silicon Valley, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know that name surprised me a lot because huh. um, I think uh, it was one of our RBD members who started who's who's who lives in Norway. And he started a podcast a few years ago and he interviewed uh, me. Yeah. And then after he published the podcast, I went to his website and I saw and he, I saw that he had called me the machine of Silicon Valley. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're born and raised in Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. at least the AI part. You know, I call the AI artificial lack of intelligence. So, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, what are you working on right now at the Aloha Moa Exploration as a CEO? Yeah. So, um, for those who don't know, so I left Google last year in January, Hmm. and um, and I was not hundred percent sure what I wanted to do. So I wanted to explore a bunch of ideas for investing, for doing my own software startups. And so Aloha Mora Exploration is like, a, it's a legal entity. It's a, it's a shell company that allows me to experiment with lots of software ideas. It allows me to like invest in other companies. So that's just a legal requirement under which like, you know, and I use that for investments, for exploring other software startup ideas. Mm, got it. Investment and experiment. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. You you actually be, you attribute the book uh, Peter Thiel wrote zero to one uh, a lot to having a huge influence on your investment thesis and how you think about technology and society. Can you talk about it deeply? Why is that? Absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, I've always, you know, I'm, I'm trained as an engineer. I work in the tech. Um, I think technology and entrepreneurship are noble. Like they are truly noble pursuits. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, you know, Peter Thiel actually like, you know, articulated it the best I have ever seen. And he says that properly understood Technology is the only way a civilization grows. And if you, and like, you know, it's, 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 it's a shocking assertion, right? Because you know, there, there are a lot of people who are like, who study BA, they have bachelors in history and English and arts. And like Peter, they'll come and say, the only way a civilization grows is by technology. And I actually completely agree with it um, mm. because here, 
technology, like before technology, the, the a society has what I call the zero sum game. If you want to become rich, you have to take it from somebody else. Mm-hmm. If you want to like, you know, the only way to become rich before technology was to own land and oh. land is fixed, right? Mm-hmm. You can only take land from somebody else. Meaning if you win, someone else loses, right? Got it. And, and technology has the power to increase the comfort and joy and safety and feed many people in a scalable way so that it improves the living standards of society everywhere. Like if you, if you look at 200 years ago, even the king had to get out of his palace, go out in his backyard and use the bathroom, right? <laughs> there was no running water. There was no running water. There was no flush. Mm. Even the king had to do that. Mm. Today, you, know, you go to the bathroom, you open the tap, the water happens, engineering, right? Mm. Um, you know, a few years ago, right? I mean, even like you know, if king wanted to go and explore the world, they would have to go on a horse, right? Yes. And, and forget, forget the poor people, they can't, you know? And it would take him three months. Today, I hop on a plane, I can go to any country, come back, uh. engineering. Right. Yes. Mm. Uh, you know, 200 years ago, the major priority of a human being was make sure I have enough food. My family has enough food. Mm. Right. Yeah. But like with engineering, with science, with technology, right, we are able to feed almost eight billion people today. Right. Mm. And so that is that. It's a very long answer to why I believe in like Peter Thiel's you know assertion when he says properly understood. Technology is key to bringing joy, happiness, security to society. And that is the way we grow, right? Because when you're not worried about, imagine somebody who's stressed about going hungry. Mm. And that person's not going to have energy to love you, right? Uh, to have fun with you, right? There's, there's yes. no opportunity for connecting, right, with people. So so, so that's, that's what I meant when I said Peter Thiel, the way he articulates technology, it had a huge influence on me. And I think, mm. I, I, I do want to mention one thing about like, you know, his book, right? Zero to one. Yes. And I think because when most people say technology, they are just doing what other people are doing and they just do it cheaper or faster, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that, mm. and I, I'll give airlines as an example. You can take any airline, you're going to get exactly the same experience, right? Uh-huh. Right? You're going to right, get exactly right. the same experience. It's going to be the same seat. It's going to be the same airplane. It's either going to be an Airbus or a Boeing, right? It's going to have the same engines, <laughs> the same seat, okay? And so that is a reason why airlines do not make profit because they are not zero to one technology companies, right? They only... They take, they go from one to hundred, they go from one to thousand, from one airplane to thousand airplane. That's the mm. only way they can improve, right? They become bigger mm. and bigger and bigger. Zero to one means that you are doing something that did not exist before. It's completely new. Right? Mm. And so what happens is that when you're, what that means is that there is no competition. Nobody else is doing what you are doing. It was zero and then it is one. When it goes from one to 10,000, there is competition. Many people are doing the same things. And so what happens is that he makes this assertion that it is not enough to be useful. 
you have mm. to be useful and you have to create capture value for yourself airlines mm. are extremely useful no one mm. is going to argue with that right what would happen to the world if there were no airplanes no airlines but are they profitable no mm. <laughs> they, they make very little money they don't capture value because they mm. go from 1 to 10000 so that's why i invest in companies that go from 0 to 1 because mm. they are useful and they can capture value there is no competition got it that's a perfect lead up uh, your uh, to the question that i'm going to ask you what types of angel investment are you making so Mm. I look for two things. One is it is they are in industry that I'm super interested in, right? And I love them, right? So for me, mm. that is aerospace, aviation, airplanes, right? And mm. you know, rockets, those kind of things. I I just love them. I always wanted to be a pilot since I was a kid, and so I I've read up a lot about them. I know a lot about them. So that's one that it should be an industry that I know a lot about. I'm not going to invest in a biotech company. I know mm-hmm. nothing about it. I don't invest in crypto because I don't understand it. Okay, oh. <laughs> so, you know, and uh, um, so that's my first criteria. My second criteria is that they are a zero to one company, meaning they are doing something that mm-hmm. nobody else can touch them. Like they are so far ahead. There's like no competition. They should be like there's there should be only one company of that type. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like when you think of search, Google has eighty percent market share. Like mm. no one can touch them in search, you know. It's a zero to one company. So if you if you're thinking of electric cars, who has the like who is number one by a huge margin? It's just Tesla, right? When you think of like rockets, right? I mean, mm. who has the lowest cost and the highest? Like SpaceX launches SpaceX. That's one company. It launches more rockets than all the rest of the world combined. Mm. Right. right. So so that's my that's my second criteria that. Uh, that it should be number one with like no real competition. Mm. So really align with the zero to one philosophy that you just mentioned, and uh, the things that uh, you can understand. It is just like one buffer. If I don't understand it, I will not invest in it. Yeah. Got, yeah. Got. I I think I think I'm I'm different from Warren Buffet because in in one way is that he does not understand it. But then, like he does not make an effort to understand it, right? Uh-huh. He like like he he said he said in in ninety nine I don't understand technology and I'll never invest in it. But then he never bothered to understand the power of this technology, right? And then he mm. did not take time to learn it, understand it, and then invest in it, right? I think I think he made his first technology investment last year in a company mm. called Cloudflake or something, like in twenty one years after. So I think my difference is that I don't understand crypto, but I understand it is something very powerful. It it can change. It 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 has a possibility of changing the world, right? Like it's going to mm. remove the middleman and central currencies. So I'm going to make the effort to learn it. You know, that's yeah. that's my difference. Yeah. Got it. Uh, other than all these, uh, what are you up to right now? Because I noticed that you just started to publish articles on your personal blog, Praying Reap, which I really really love because. I I always I always want to know you more, and then I know oh you like uh, aerospace, you like aviation, you want to be a pilot, and then I also want to uh, learn how to drive a an airplane sometime in the future, and that's how I know you more. Yeah, what yeah what else are you up to? Uh, maybe I should ask you this: What is playing with? Why are you writing this book? And then uh, what are you up to? Uh, anything else? 
Yeah, sure thing. And so, so Aero, first, like you have an invitation. Like if you want to learn how to fly, just come here and we'll we'll take you up in a small airplane, at least for a joyride, you know? So anytime. Oh, my man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You made a promise on a podcast. You remember that. <laughs> yes. Cool. Thank you very if much. You're, if, you're, if you're gonna come here, we'll, we'll just you know take you up on a plane. So yeah, we can do that. Uh, my daughter's learning to fly right now. So, you know, she goes three times a week to the local mm-hmm. airport. Um, playing with, um, I'm really glad you asked that question and it ties in very well with, you know, what I just said about Peter Field. So playing with is my personal newsletter. It's not a commercial newsletter. I don't have like any interest in having 50,000 readers and, and try to sell anything to them or anything like that. It has two purposes. Um, uh, like first, it's my way of being in touch with my friends and family. So I only like, you know, ask my friends and family to subscribe to this because it has no business purpose, right? And because, um, uh, you know, I mean, the life, of it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's that's one thing. And so what I what I write on it is two things, right? First of all, I try to give them a taste of like, you know, what am I thinking about? What's going on in my mind, right? You know, the, so it's, it's sometimes it's, it's about, so there's like, there's some like work related thing like technology and society, that kind of stuff. And the second thing I write in it about is just like what me and my family has been up to or something like really interesting or cool that we saw. You know, mm. so it's uh, so those are my two objectives. I'd like it to share with my friends and family things that I'm thinking about on technology. And second is like, you know, just something really cool or beautiful that I experienced and I want to share it with them. Mm. Got it. So um, before we move on the product management topics, uh, anything that you are up to right now that you want to let the audience know uh, or yeah, just. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, Aaron, I think what mm. I would say is that you and I, we are good friends. So mm. I, the purpose of my newsletter is also like, you know, to engage with other cool people and have conversations with them on technology and other things. So first thing I would say is that if any of your audience is interested, go to riteshlal.com slash newsletter. Mm. And if you, if you like my articles or you know, like what you see, definitely sign up. Because I love meeting interesting, cool people and having conversations with them. So that's one thing that I'm up to. That's a, that's a reason I started writing on my blog and my newsletter to meet interesting people. Um, the second thing, what I'm up to, like on a personal note, is uh, professionally, I have gotten really interested in flying taxis. So mm. I'm an investor in one of them. It's called Joby Aviation. Uh, oh. I'm really, yeah, I, I think I think I'm really like a huge fan of this company. I really think it's going to change the world in a big way. They don't like Joby Aviation is full of people who would hate me for saying that because they're really <laughs> humble. They're really humble. They just like, you know, keep quiet and do all the hard work. Uh-huh. Um, so that's that's kind of like what I'm up to. I'm investing in companies like Joby Aviation, Planet Labs. Planet Labs is a company that provides a satellite image data for Google Earth and like mm-hmm. Google Maps. Um, and I'm and I'm sort of like looking for ways to become involved in flying taxi companies. So if mm. you if your audience have like you know any interest in flying taxis, these are electric vertical takeoff or landing cars. You know, mm. uh, 
like if, if your audience has any interest in flying taxis, mm. space, rockets, you know, those kinds of things, and they want to get in touch with me, I would love to hear from them. So that's what I'm up to. Oh, I really wish I, I can face you <laughs> earlier. <laughs> I want to do all this, man. <laughs> okay. Well, we, uh, should, we should talk, man. We should totally talk. That's how it gets started, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, mm, I would make happen. <laughs> Let's move on to the match one. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Uh, so you mentioned you started and sold uh, software company in France, Shutdown and other in Silicon Valley. And you were once the CEO uh, and co-founder of OIM. I'm not sure if I pronounce it correctly. An enterprise management system acquired by Makia Group and you were one CEO and co-founder of Martin Interactive Group, Pop Breaks and Soapbox for indie writers in top seven English-speaking uh, countries. And you also teach multiple MBA courses in IT strategy and management and entrepreneurship in New York University adjunct faculty. So what do you think of entrepreneurship in terms of product management? Uh, what do I think of entrepreneurship in terms of product management? Yes, because um, people always match these two together. I want to see a few, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I, and you know, I'll stick to the technology world because that's the one I'm most familiar with because entrepreneurship can be very broad, right? You can, yeah. you can start like a, like a chocolate company, which I love, but I don't know anything about it. <laughs> um, so, uh, you. You know, you're right, linking those two together because a product manager, product management is a really cross-functional role, exactly like the founder of a startup, right? Exactly like an entrepreneur, like a tech entrepreneur. And so you have to think about like, you know, um, uh, finding a market need, right? Mm. Then, you know, building the right team, right? Getting the right funding. And you have to do that even in large companies. You have to convince the VPs that what you're trying to propose deserves money, right? And you have to ask for it, right? Even inside large companies, you have to, so market need, building the right team, getting the funding, actually building the product, right? And then like launching the product and then depending on your goals, right? So most of the times you want to monetize the product. It's not always necessary because a free product can be, useful for another product which makes the money right so it's indirectly yeah. making the money so it's things like that so i think uh, I, I i think like you know i'm gonna say that having a product manager background can be helpful for becoming entrepreneur and if you actually mm. look at uh, you know lots of product managers from google and yahoo have gone on to start like really large companies outside like you know really famous ones Right, including like uh, Flickr and Slack and Pinterest, and they're all mm. Spotify. They're all like Google folks who were like product managers before there, you know. Mm. So um, that's so I, I think that's like my high level response to your question. I'm not sure if mm. I'm answering it, but I, I think I think that the summary here is that if you want to become an entrepreneur, mm. and for some reason you don't want to take the leap right now and start the company, mm. being a product manager can be sort of an indirect way. I don't recommend it. I think you should directly do what you want to do and not take indirect paths. But, mm. but you know, they, are, they can be similar. They have similarities. 
Thank you. That's the um, um, answer I don't exactly know by myself, but I, you just share with it, uh, with the audience is uh, uh, being a product manager could be a uh, stepping stone to become an entrepreneur. Uh, maybe uh, um, is it because the skill sets acquired by product manager, it is so similar to become an entrepreneur? Okay. Uh, so, yes and no. Yes and no. Mm. Uh, starting a, starting a company is extremely hard. It's extremely to, hard. To and no amount no amount of time working at a large company at a, as a product manager is going to prepare you for it. Okay. Mm. It can be helpful. And so let me be let me be specific, right? So I have a friend, like you know, I have a mentee, uh, you know, who graduated from Harvard and like, you know, if he wanted to start a company right after, he could have, he could have easily done it. But like, here's a reason why he came to Google and said, and worked here for two years and then started his company. It's that it can make your life easy, right? Uh, you know, you, you come to a large company, it has a brand name, right? And it can mm. open up door, it builds credibility, right? What you can also do is that life circumstances can happen, right? Maybe you have responsibilities, maybe you have debt from college that you need to pay off, things like that, right? Uh, maybe you have like visa problems or something, right? Uh, there are some like, if for, for some practical reasons, it may not be possible to start a company directly. In that case, I would say, sure. Like, you know, you have to pay your rent, you have to pay your bills, you have to pay your debts. And maybe you are waiting for a visa to become a citizen, things like that. Then a big company is a safe place, right, for that to happen. Mm. And you can, in the meantime, you can start networking. But for mm. most of us, if you don't have that problem, right, if you don't have like a visa problem, you're not, you don't have debts and things like that. I would say the fastest route to doing what you want is to go mm. do what you want. Don't, don't, don't use stepping stones. Go there directly, you know. Beautiful. Uh, that's something that I never yeah. heard of because uh, it is just because whenever people are talking about product management or product manager discipline, they always talk what you are doing uh, on the job. They don't talk about the reality that we live in. We have to care about the visa problem. We have to care about the rents, but that's the reality. That's the very down to earth. Beautiful. Uh, can, uh, can I ask you, you just mentioned you work for Yahoo and Google uh, four years uh, in Google as a product manager for human behavior prediction and mobile info. And uh, before that, five years in Yahoo, product marketing manager for Yahoo Small Business, product manager for commerce recommendations platform, and lead product manager for Yahoo Autos. Can you share with us that you were working, what you were working on at that particular time frame, and share with us your feel of working for famous tech firms like these, comparing against a product manager working in a startup. Yeah, I would like to know what you think about this. Yeah, um, I can, dude, I can talk about those things, right? Those are like, you know, large internet companies which have had the most number of users during their time, right? Yahoo is gone now, right? But, uh, mm. uh, and so, I mean, from the perspective of your audience, it was just a path I took, right? It was, it was sort of like, you know, uh, you know, the society expects you to work at a well-known company, have a stable salary, 
so that your mom can be proud of you and this and it's easy right so i sort of like i just went with the current right you know i had sold my company i was sitting in silicon valley and i'm like what should i do now because like you know uh, so it was an easy path that i just followed without ever thinking for myself what do i want to do right and so oh so, my yeah, god I my time at, yeah so i so just you know i did my time at yahoo i left it uh. i came out and i was like okay looks like google is the new star so like you know uh. so i prepared really hard for it and i went there and i was look i'm not looking down at them these are truly incredible companies which have mm. changed like you know which have made the world a better place right i mean mm. i use google maps every day i use google yes. drive every day google calendar gmail these are they make my life better no question and it is it is a privilege to get to work in those companies mm. uh, that's that's what i have to say for it that you know yeah it was a privilege to get to work at those companies i learned a lot and you know mm. it, it makes my life easy right because now when i go outside you know people say oh you worked at google you 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 may you probably are not completely stupid you probably know something you know so <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh man <laughs> Mm, I want to. I just want to speak up for some of the audiences because one type of my audiences is product managers, and they always look up to the product product managers who work in Google because. Uh, um, but you know what? You just said something like, "I sold my company. I don't know what to do," and then it is it it is the wow that I thought because I don't know what to do, uh, because, but uh, I want to reframe the conversation you just had is you. You did the hardest part in the world to becoming an entrepreneur first, and then uh, go backward to become a product manager, so that you think uh, maybe it is a natural path for you and it is easy, so you can pick up whenever you want. So uh, mm, the thing that I want to speak up for the audiences is because they always talk up to say like Google product manager because it is so hard, but The hardest thing is becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you you, uh, it's my boggling. Uh, okay, uh, keep on with just product management and product manager. And uh, I I wanna ask you the uh, feel uh your feels on this line. Product manager is the CEO of the product because Ben Horowitz. Uh, who previously co-founded and served as president and CEO of uh, Opsware, he he write this at the halfing about the halfing and good product manager and bad product manager. I I think that you always hear this in Silicon Valley because uh it comes from there. Uh, I want to see your view on it because it is so hugely debated by the common PM community. Um. Let me make sure I understood you. So you're saying the the this concept of PM is the CEO of a product. You yes. Want to hear my thoughts on that? Oh. Um. um okay. Uh. Yes and no. <laughs> mm. uh, a product manager does not have hard authority. They only have soft authority, right? Mm. Um. Meaning. 
meaning the engineers don't report to the product managers. The designers don't report to the product managers, right? Actually, product manager is a pretty isolating and lonely job, you know? Because mm. generally on one team, you're gonna have one or two product managers and like 20, 30 engineers, couple of designers, and you know, it's, it's a really lonely job and you have no authority over any of them, yes. right? Um, and yet you're the only one who has the big picture view over everything because everybody else is only, can only see what they are doing. Uh, so I think it's PM can be a CEO of a product in that way. They have the, they have the big picture view of what is going on. And they mm -hmm. are the ones who make sure that people are talking to each other, right decisions are being made, you know? Mm -hmm. So that in that way, like PM is sort of like a CEO but they have no hiring, firing power. They don't have hard decision-making power. They can't force mm -hmm. an engineering team to make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so they have to work a lot on building relationships, building trust and mm -hmm. credibility. And like, you know, using data in the early stages of career, you use a lot of data to support mm -hmm. what you're saying. In the later decisions, you have hopefully gotten enough soft skills to understand why humans do what they do and it's not because mm. of data <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Um, so yeah that's that's kind of like what i would say and and you know um i want to uh, like you know uh, reframe this conversation about pms and tier one companies like google you know and and, and sort of like you know, you said your audience is product managers and, and some of them are striving, right? To yeah. get these kinds of positions. And, and then from my perspective and, and a lot of my fellow PMs perspectives, uh, like, you know, I joined these companies because I needed the social status, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't want to be called, oh, what is this guy doing? He's not working. He's living in Silicon, it does not work. So I want to be called the guy, oh, here's a guy, he's a PM at Google. So first I wanted the social status. And the second, I wanted the money, right? I wanted the stock and I wanted the salary. I have to pay the bills. And those are the two reasons why. And these companies, they pay the most. It's just a fact, right? I mean, Google pays a lot, right? It's, mm. it's, it's, it's among like the top two, 3% of the, of the employers out there. Those are my big reasons, right? And then there are other reasons that I'm going to meet cool people, interesting people, and there's going to be the joy of working on, you know, great products. But I think it would be dishonest if I did not say those two big reasons, right? The social status and the mm -hmm. money, right? And, and, and a lot of people don't talk about it. They're like, oh, we want to work at these great companies to make great, you know, products, change the world and things like that, right? <laughs> and so I would say, dude, ultimately, right? It's just a company. It's just yes. a company. It's full of people. It has hierarchy. It has bureaucracy. And it's a company, okay? Mm. And uh, companies have beautiful energies. I think, you know, some, you know, when you start a company, it's like a baby, like, you know, people are yeah. coming together. There is no money. Like, you know, the, like when a company started, it does not have money. It can't pay like huge salaries and things, right? And the, the reason people are coming together is because they're like, wow, this is gonna be an amazing project. We're gonna make a cool product. It's gonna do this, right? And mm. I think from my perspective, Companies have beautiful energy at that point, right? You wanna ask yourself, does Google have that energy today? Are you gonna have fun working there? Are you gonna be working at amazing products and projects mm. and so on, right? 
in and then really ask yourself why do you want there is it for the social status is it for the money they're not bad reasons they are they're good reasons I mean, I, food money is necessary man right it's, <laughs> it, it changes lives right and it's a um, but then ask yourself also you know will you be able to sustain this right are you going to be able to have your emotional needs met at a company working like this you're going to be there 9 to 5 monday through friday at least right <laughs> okay. okay and and so sort of like try and figure out really ask your question i mean if you want to go and work for these companies do it for good reasons because mm. check your assumptions do you really think how much money do you need and mm. is that the way to do it because it is going to take a toll on you if you're not really having fun there it is going to take a toll on you right Got it. because i mean don't just think about your social status needs your need to be loved and admired and money you know think about other needs too and and and, and will those needs be met at google and yahoo Got it. So just be brutally honest with what you want and be spe- be specific about it before you make any move. Got it. So uh, first, uh, this is the perfect question to wrap up this episode, and it is going to be the last question. How do you define product management, and how do you define a successful entrepreneur and successful product manager? You can make a short story long or the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, success is really subjective, man. Like you know, every just I think every, your every definition. Person, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, yours. Yeah, it's uh, look. I would have. Had different definitions of success at different stages in my PM career. So I'll so I'll just contrast two or three of those. So mm-hmm. maybe like your audience can see which if if their life situation, current life situation matches which one of those, right? And so I would say when I was younger, like in you know, a junior product manager, I think my definition of success would have been don't get fired, okay, and. <laughs> and sort of like learn stuff because imposter syndrome you're new to this world you don't know what the hell is going on what i and you're just pretending that you know something but actually you don't know anything right so my my definition of success in those times would be oh my god i'm at this company and everyone is like so smart i just i i just need to make sure i don't get fired and i'm learning right mm-hmm. so that would be my success finding a great manager finding a great team like you know where you are able to learn right yeah um, you know at at latter stage at middle stages right uh the definition of success for me uh you know would be um that you are i don't you know most people would say definition of success would be you're launching something that you've launched a feature launched a product or something like that and mm-hmm. i would say if you can get to do that that's great that's wonderful but i'll tell you what the reality of technology products is for every 1000 products that get started to build maybe five of them get launched mm. okay that's how it works okay <laughs> right it's uh, you know so that that's sort of like how it works so i would say if you're going to attach your definition of success to a product launch or feature launch imagine how miserable you're going to be right mm. and at that point the only thing you can ask for yourself is that you know 
did I do everything I could have done? And if I, if I did not, what did I learn? And if I can answer, you know, those questions properly being self-aware, uh, that, you know, in a, in a team of like, you know, 500 people, 800 people, many things are out of your control, but like, did I do my part here? Okay. Mm. And what else could I have done better? To me, that is a definition of success. And mm. then, and then like, you know, that could be for the mid-level. And then I would say at a senior level of product manager, you want to, you really want to transcend the operations, the operational part of product management, right? Because you have junior and middle level product managers who can make great products, right? All you have to do is coach them, be their guide, be their mentor, because you have the wisdom of, you know, you have 10, 15 years of experience, right? You have seen things over a horizon that those people have not. You understand technology, but you also understand humans like change management, organizational behavior, how to develop people. So I would say the definition of success would be if you have helped your team grow, right? People who are reporting to you, if you have helped them become better PMs, better people, right? Find meaningful work, feel more satisfied, happier, that would be my definition of success. Got management development uh, to and transcend yeah. the operation. Mm, this yeah. is the first uh, first time I hear this view. Uh, what about successful entrepreneur? I just want to know your subjective view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think mm. I think all humans are entrepreneurs. Okay, I'm giving you like, you know, very different answers, perhaps than you're expecting. And I think it is your like, oh, man, it is just your leisure. That's the reason why I want to ask you because for people, <laughs> they, they won't say even like this. Oh, okay, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my definition of successful entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I'll give some context. I think I think we are all supposed to, we should all express ourselves, who we really are, what's inside us, we need to manifest it into the physical world, okay? And, and that can be, you could be an artist, a poet, a mother, right? You could be a bodybuilder and you are manifesting your body, right? Uh, that's your entrepreneurship, right? There, there, are, there are millions of different kinds of entrepreneurships. And I think, to me, a successful entrepreneur is someone who feels this thing inside of them. Oh my God, I have this idea for a product. I wanna I want to do something with it. There is this, there's this painting inside me. I wanna, I wanna create it. There is this, there's a poem, poem inside me. I wanna write it. And this is, there's a technology product idea inside me. I wanna create it, right? Mm. And I think to me, the successful entrepreneur is that is someone who listens to himself or herself and says that. It's inside me. I have to get it out. Yes. And then he or she takes the steps to get it out. That is a successful entrepreneur to me. He ex they express themselves so that others can see it. Because if it's inside you, you can't share it with people. So if you, if you get it out of you so that you can share it with people, that is success. Uh, so be yourself, get off, uh, off your chest uh, what is inside you. Okay, really one last question. What is the that little retest inside you? Uh, what, yeah, what would you like to express, Yeah. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, dude. Oh my God, that is that is hard. Okay, uh, let me see. Give me, give me, give me one second here. Uh, let do some um, social change. <laughs> we have all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I think. Uh, you know, and I'll, and I'll stick to like, you know, the professional aspects of it. Uh, it's, I think over this time, I have discovered that what I really love doing is that sharing my love for technology with people mm -hmm. and explaining, because there is, there are parts of our society and, you know, they're afraid of technology and they, mm -hmm. they create blockages for them, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think I have a, you know, I'm sort of good at explaining complicated technologies to people. Like for example, let's talk about flying taxis, right? Mm. And so there are, there are people who are afraid of it. They want to block it. They want to create regulations against it and things like that, right? Mm. And what I like telling, what I like doing is how can like, so how can I help this company in which I've invested, Jovi Aviation, right? Mm. Is that I like telling government why they should support it. I like explaining it to the cities and the local population that, you know what, our cities are jammed. There's so much congestion. People don't like traffic. They would rather be with their family. They, it takes them two hours to get from one point to another. So mm -hmm. like, you know, I like, I like, that's what's inside me. I love telling people about technology so that technology can be more widespread so that it makes our lives better. Okay. That's, Maybe uh, we can go a level, uh, down deeper. Why do you have that obsession? You want to talk about technology so bad. Why? Where does this obsession come from? Is there a particular experience you have in your childhood, or maybe, yeah, something like that? Wow, dude, you are you're going deep. So I'll I'll tell you this thing, right? Okay, so you know, I I grew up in India, and I used to watch these Western movies, right? Mm. And so, so my heroes were like Rambo and Arnold Schwarzenegger because they would they have huge muscles and yeah. they would come with like machine guns in their hand and they would kill all the bad people like they would kill all bad people alone mm. like single handedly and then they would save all the good people right mm. and so I don't have muscles I don't have machine guns like you know and all of that stuff right so I think I think this is the way. I can express my love for people. Like, I mean, I love people. I just like mm. doing things, useful mm. things for them, right? And I think I don't have a machine gun. I don't have the muscles, but but I think I'm a good engineer. I understand technology well. That is my machine gun to do good uh, things for people, you know? So mm. that's my obsession that this is, not everyone can understand complex technology. Not everyone can communicate complicate, complicated technology to people, right? Mm. So. Sorry, I was getting a call. Um, so that's my obsession, that mm. this is how I show my love for humanity, for mankind, that mm. I use technology to make things better. Because, you know, flying taxis, if I can, like, look, man, people are miserable sitting in the traffic in the car for like two hours every day, right? Mm. You know, they get exhausted. They would rather spend time with their family. Can, I, can mm. I be helpful in that? Yeah, maybe, you know? Mm. That's where my obsession comes from. Mm. Thank you so much. I'm just thinking of maybe some of the episode title for this episode, maybe the Liu Rambo in the Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 
oh, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe now uh, I'm still thinking about it because there are so many good content in this session. Uh, thank you so much, Vitesh. I enjoyed this conversation with you a lot uh, in terms of many different things because um, I just there are so much questions. I just want to um, ask you uh just for myself i'm being selfish as a podcast host for this episode so thank you very much Vitesh. absolutely era this is this is terrific man i you know i love your writing so it's mm. it's such a pleasure to do this with you and dude you know i'm i'm gonna throw you a challenge right that you know mm. i read your stuff about your work with derek sewers i found it so inspirational and I think, you know, a lot of young people can, can learn from you. So my challenge to you is that at, at one point, you should let me interview you for your podcast, you know, whenever you're ready. Oh, um, yeah, I will be trying. <laughs> I'm up for that. <laughs> Before <Okay>. you, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> you just made me man up every single time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'm going to take a chance. So thank you again, Vitesh. Uh, yeah, for the audiences. Uh, until next time.